taking what you loved and then tweaking it in a in a way that is surprising and you know I think arguably admirable uh, given the budgets they're dealing with. Well, I think they're doing something interesting. Disney is it is okay. We've been discussing two books from the BFI series uh, commemorating Star Wars. This one's written by Will Bruckner, and it's the second edition. The only difference is there's a two-page forward that's catching you up on the second trilogy. And Rebecca Harrison's The Empire Strikes Back, a brand new book in the BFI series, but one that takes a somewhat different take from Will Bruckner's. And I'll be excited to see what the BFI comes up with for the third movie in the first trilogy. So thank you, Mike Russell. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to Community Radio, KBOO Portland. Film at 11 will be back next Friday, so until then, keep watching the screens. Ah, Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars, don't let them end. goal is to create an atmosphere devoid of genre, a place where quality is key. It's important for the world and future generations to understand the power of art and music. Ultimately we are doing our part to carry on tradition. Tune into Passing Sound, the first Saturday of each month at 10pm on KBU Community Radio 90.7 FM, or KBU.FM, where we make musical structures, for the listener to enjoy. Welcome to to Peace, Peace, Love, and Soup. We're going to be bringing you soup podcasts, one per month, dealing with different types of soup, maybe history and politics of where they came from. And Tave, I might add that we intend to feature special soups for special occasions throughout the year. We're going to be talking about how we make the soup, the nutrition value, and how much it costs. Some on-location recording as well. A guest visitor. And in addition to that, music. Drum roll, please. Tave, would you like to tell the audience what soup we chose for our first podcast. Black-eyed peas and collard green soup, bringing for you love, prosperity, wealth, and luck in the new year. So sit back, relax, and get hungry. You're listening to Peace, Love, and Soup. Peace and love through conversation and nourishment. So black-eyed peas, I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Mali in West Africa, and black-eyed peas, which they call show, were a big thing in the diet there. Uh, there were also jokes about it, you know, oh, you're a bean eater. Oh, if your last really? name's Kulabali, you're a bean eater. Oh. But do they have it as a soup or they mash it like into like a hummusy type thing? It would just be more of like um, a big pot of beans, but mm-hmm. because they are a little more starchy, it's not a paste, but they wouldn't be individual beans, like how if you had a bunch of kidney beans and they all fall apart, or black beans with broth, not like that. More of like they've all been cooked, they're still their own little pea, but they're part of a conglomeration, okay. a little bit sticky. With and other vegetables? They would cook them with some oil, usually some other sort of spices, and onions. Okay. And they have these small dogon onions, of really potent little onions. They're about the size of a head of garlic, and they're grown up in the north of Mali where they don't really have any dirt, and so they transport dirt from down on the ground all the way up these cliffs to where the Dogon villages are and they make these little rock beds put the dirt in there and then grow these onions so because there's only like two inches of dirt the onions are only going to get so big but again then they're watering them and that makes them you know really potent sort of like a a true baby carrot would have a lot more flavor than a large carrot. And what is this onion called? Uh, Dogon onions for the Dogon people. Amazing little onions. The Dogon people are fascinating too. Anyone who wants to look that up should. Educate us then if you don't mind. Well, in West Africa, Mali is a landlocked country north of Ivory Coast and east of Senegal and they eat many different things that we typically don't eat here. Millet, 
um, millet mash. Millet. Oh, I do too. Um, they make it into this pasty stuff called toe. It looks like mm. a Play-Doh. And a lot of people don't care for it, but I love it. But then beans are another big staple. So mm -hmm. if they say beans, they mean black-eyed right. peas, often cooked with Dogon onions and oil. And if you're lucky enough to live next to a herding family, the Fula tribe, uh, the Fulani people, then you have access to fresh butter and milk. And so often people will take the fresh butter and drizzle it over the black-eyed peas and it's so delicious with those Dogon onions. Mm. That's that. That's what I know about. And that. how did you find yourself there? You just volunteered for Peace Corps. And I did. <laughs> I was a film student at mm -hmm. USC years ago. Let's see, it was second to my last semester. I took an anthropology film class, and there was a lot of really wonderful stuff. Obviously, not Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Shot out in very remote areas, and I thought, oh my gosh, I would love to go and do something like that. And someone said, oh, you should go to Peace Corps. And I phoned up and I said, oh, I'd love to take photos for your brochures or help make, um, you know, small films for you, uh, promotional films. And they said, Tavi, that's lovely, but we pay like actual <laughs> companies to do that. If you want to be a volunteer and maybe garden, we can see about getting you in. So I applied and was accepted. Uh, right chance. From film school when it ended. Yeah, as soon as I finished film school, I had my application in. It's a very long process. You have to be fingerprinted. Mm -hmm. You have all of your background checked. Copious interviews. They interview a number of people that know you. I guess about maybe 10% of the people that apply get in. And I was fortunate enough to get in, and I'm sure I would have been happy going anywhere, but I had hoped to go to Africa. And it seemed like a great place to be able to visit and experience as if you were living there for real, not just a tourist. And I spoke French, and so as luck would have it, I was put in Mali, which is uh, French-speaking West Africa. Um, but I still had to learn Bambara, which is the language, it's like a trade language. Do you still recall some words? Oh, yeah, I do. Say, 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 do you want to try a little Bambara? Yeah, I can say, Iniche, which is hello. Iniche, ikakene, how are you? Iniche, ikakene, Brian Delaney. Isomagobedi which is, how's your family? So, Very well, thank you. <laughs> so greetings are really important in Mali. Let's listen to this track by Umu Sangre. She's a Malian singer who's singing about the importance of keeping Malian culture, such as hospitality, alive. Like most foods, black-eyed peas are prepared differently around the world. In Egypt, they like to cook it with onions and garlic, meat and tomato, then serve it over rice. In the Caribbean, they mash their black-eyed peas, add salt and pepper, and then fry it. In Vietnam, they prepare their black-eyed peas as a sweet dessert with sticky rice and coconut milk. And then here in the good old US of A, in Texas, they marinate their black-eyed peas with vinegar, garlic, and serve it cold and it's called Texas caviar. And in the southern states, a dish called Hop and John is made with black-eyed peas, onions, bacon, and rice. Yum. Let's call my friend Julia Goodman, an artist living in San Francisco who was originally from the South. Wait, was Julia the one who introduced yeah. you to black-eyed peas and the concept of love and prosperity? She continues to carry on the tradition every New Year, cooking and eating black-eyed peas. And collard greens. And collard greens. Hi there. Julie, great. Thanks so much for agreeing to be interviewed and being with us today. Good to Hi. meet you. Hi. I'm just going to jump right in and say that you were my inspiration. And then I sold it to Tave in like 10 seconds. She was like, yeah, let's do it. To start our soup podcast with black eyed pea soup. Now, I know you didn't prepare black eyed pea soup, but when you did your tradition at New Year's in Brooklyn some five years ago, I was blown away. I, I had no idea that this is a southern tradition. Could you please explain that more? Was that the first time you had had black-eyed peas on um, New Year's? Yes. I was like, what are you talking about? Why are you spending all of New Year's Eve cooking? Wow. Please explain. Okay. <laughs> Tell us all about it, Julia. Uh, okay. So I don't make black-eyed pea soup, but I do make black-eyed peas. And I'm originally from the South. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm also, I should say, kind of superstitious 
Whenever there's an opportunity to do something that might bring good luck, I try to do it. So, for example, like my mom, whenever she gave me a wallet, she put three pennies in it. My grandfather, my grandpa Irving, used to give us $2 bills all the time, which I've only spent one in my entire life. Wait, you, you only spent one of the, the $2 bills he gave you? Yeah, it was an emergency. Oh. Yeah, so the $2 bill says to bring good luck. And so for our wedding, actually, my husband and I, as a thank you gift to everybody, gave $2 bills to everybody with a heart stamped on them. Anyway, so growing up in the South, I was raised with the tradition of eating black-eyed peas and collard greens. Mm -hmm. on New Year's Day. Yum. I should say I'm also Jewish. I don't do the traditional black-eyed pea with ham hock. It's like a piece of the pork that some people cook their beans with to give it like a meaty, stewy taste. Gotcha. Yeah, it's sort of like if you go to a Mexican restaurant and the refried beans have lard on them, then they taste really good. Gotcha, um, but being Jewish, you don't put the pork in, obviously. Yeah, um, so I don't put the pork in. So I just, I don't, I've just done it forever. And, you know, it kind of, even like with the Jewish New Year, you're supposed to eat apples and honey for it to be like a healthy and sweet and full New Year. So I'm just, I'm used to eating special foods on special days. I like that idea. Hey, get um, your own podcast. We're talking soup here. <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway, so I've always eaten black-eyed peas and also collard greens, but the vegetarian version. And then the other thing is, like, I also cook collard greens really differently, which is I just hand-fry them with onions, and they're generally still green. It's not like that deep southern like vinegary the greens are no longer green they're more like army brown green kind of thing because the green um, of collard greens symbolize money right yeah so the black eyed peas are supposed to bring prosperity and the collard greens are supposed to bring like good fortune i think i i looked it up and i think i even read somewhere that they say for like every bite of collard greens you get a thousand dollars that year i don't know where that came what? from but <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, so I'm I'm pretty, you know, I like to start off the year on a good start. I'm going to be eating a lot of collard greens this year. Or do you have to eat but them just on the first? on New Year's Day. I think uh, it's only on New Year's Day that it counts. Okay. All right. You know, you can cheat and buy a can of black-eyed peas. I don't think there's anything wrong with cheating. And then just add them to anything. There are some, like, soup recipes, but they're also really good on top of salads or, you know, mixed in the way you would mix in, you know, like chickpeas or anything. Yeah. Um, but there's like a whole story of like why that came about. And I guess there's actually a few possible stories. Oh, you are talking legend now? Well, no, wait, Julia, <laughs> would you mind telling us these, uh, this background information on the whys and the legends? I can try. Oh, I forgot. Go back. So you can cheat and buy the canned black eyed peas. There's nothing wrong with that. Or what you can do is on the night before New Year's Day, which would be New Year's Eve, you can um, soak your black-eyed peas, like the hard ones yep. that come in the bag, or you can buy them in bulk and soak your black-eyed peas in water overnight. Mm -hmm. And what I like to do is add salt and pepper and lemon juice and rosemary, different things in the water so that as the beans are hydrating and absorbing the, the water, they kind of pull the flavor in with them. And then when you go to cook them the next day, when you go to kind of bring them to a boil and let them cook for a while, it, it doesn't take nearly as long to cook them. So those are some cooking tips for black-eyed peas. Oh, thank you. Um, and then the stories, did you want me to tell those? Yes, I want to hear those stories. Your One quick question. Your prep method for your black-eyed peas, do you toss your water out before you do the actual I cooking and then put new water in? Yes, I switch the water out and I put in sprigs of rosemary with mine. Mm. Shut up. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yum. <laughs> All right, so this is just so delicious. And then I like it with the sautéed collard. I do the onions, and actually Michael, my husband's really good. He'll do onions and throw in some crushed walnuts mm. and then the um, collard greens sliced thin and cook that all up and then serve the black-eyed peas on top of the collard greens and mix in like a crumbly cheese with it. Delish. Um, I've, so, Brian, I've got an idea here. I think please. for our soup, we're going to do the beans the way Julia's mentioned and the delicious-sounding preparation method for those collard greens. 
and we will put those maybe as a garnish on top of the soup <gasps> or mix them through and then make like a collard green pesto with the walnuts in it and scoop that on what? top, perhaps, with a little sprinkling well, of cheese. You can come yeah, for I'd dinner. Yeah, I'd like to suggest <laughs> the um, ricotta salada or, like, uh, crumbled feta. Yum. Okay. You're so hearing it first, people. Yes. Yeah, soup, soup and tell. So, Julia, go ahead and plow forward with those legends and background history. We'd love to hear what you know of this because, you know, we all have heard different things and some of us have heard nothing. So enlighten us, please. One of the stories was that when the Civil War was wrapping up, as Union soldiers were moving through the South, they were taking all of the food supplies that they could. And the only things that they left behind were black-eyed peas and ham hocks because they thought they were not suitable for human consumption. They associated that as more for like animal feed. So that was really like the most readily available food that people had after the Union soldiers cleared out. The black-eyed peas? And the ham hocks. And the ham hocks, okay. Yeah. Which is why the Confederates associate it with being lucky, right? Because they were left food for the winter? Yeah. Gotcha. That's the main story I've heard, and I can't remember the other one now. I actually Googled it, and I'll share the other legend. Basically, the symbolization of emancipation for the African Americans. Hmm. And I guess we're officially but- freed on New Year's Day. Brian and I were talking. I had been a Peace Corps volunteer in Mali in West Africa, and black-eyed peas are something that are are eaten regularly there. And so my assumption, having done no research, is that they were brought over from West Africa to the South. You are correct. So really then hearing about how they became lucky and all of that pertaining to slavery is like doubly interesting Mm -hmm. um, and poignant. Yeah, Mm -hmm. my understanding is that the black-eyed peas can't handle frost, uh, so they only grow in warm places. Something else I saw, different colors of the black-eyed peas. Have you oh, yeah, heard there's about this? Oh, yeah, there's one with a purple center, right? Right, yeah, purple. they were saying, especially in the south, um, they have a, a variety of them, not just the typical ones that we know with the black eye. And I, I would not doubt that at mm-hmm. all. I guess they're probably a little harder to find, mm-hmm. but next time I go home, I'll keep my eye open. Please for it. do. Please. Do you, and you know what um, the name of the common variety of black eye pea is? It's called the California black eye. Oh, really? the white ones with the black California eye? California black eye. Huh. Julia, could you please give us your website so that our listeners can investigate a little more and see the beautiful art that you make? It's just my self promotion. This is self promotion. Uh, you're, you're allowed to do that. J. A. Goodman, like Julia Ann Goodman. Goodman. Okay. Com. Com. Well, we'll say goodbye, but we also want to wish you a very fortunate and prosperous new year. And thank you for the inspiration and being available to talk with us today. I'm honored. And I just want to wish you guys the best of luck with your new um, podcast. You guys sound like you make a great team. Thank you so much for coming on and just sharing yeah. your stories. And a part of this podcast also is just a way to have more community with people from different parts of the U.S., maybe even different parts of the world, community together around the table or vicariously around food, but over the internet or the radio. So thanks so much. Peace, Love, and Soup is out of the studio and in the kitchen. We are cooking our first soup together as we get to know each other better as well. Have a listen. I'm ladling it. So I think it's going to be good. I took a pound of beans, which is about three cups of the black-eyed peas, and I put about eight to ten cups of water, um, the juice of one lemon, and also the juice of a clementine. And then I threw the peels of the clementine in, a couple of uh, cloves of garlic, a couple bay leaves, some peppercorns, and just, you know, a bunch of, like, ground-up mountain salt. They look like a fancy like Christmas cocktail, honestly. <laughs> Thank you. It smelled really nice the next morning, but it did soak up a lot of it. So I did that last night, just let it soak until we were ready to go. So it soaked up a lot of the water, and we drained it out, rinsed them, threw the peels away, and then we had also made up that broth. You made your own broth. So I was inspired by you saying, let's make vegan broth. And also, since Julia had said she was a vegetarian, and I thought, well, I know how to make a vegetable broth. So for this vegetarian broth, I scrubbed six potatoes and six carrots. I peeled them. I took those peels and added about eight cups of water, put it all in a crock pot overnight, 
And I also took the celery bottoms and celery tops, um, the bottoms and tops and the cores of two onions. And so nothing got thrown away. Nothing. Perfect. And I even added two cloves of garlic that I had crushed and thrown in there with some skins on even. It was really the stuff you would normally just pitch out. Yeah. And I added some more salt to that and just let it cook all night. You could also do it on the stove in a couple of hours, mm -hmm. but then you strain out all of the solids and just throw them away and then put our beans in. We put the black eyed peas in. So we cooked those for about an hour, then got the consistency we wanted. We have a good ratio of broth to vegetables. The carrots are tender. And uh, we took those greens uh, that we had cooked up and braised the way Julie had mentioned. We crushed a couple of cloves of garlic, put them in a cast iron skillet with some olive oil, yeah. sauteed those up with the, um, with the collard greens, braised that. And then we just added that to the soup. Do you want to hear how it I want sounds? To hear ladle that again. Now that is the perfect consistency. And so we braised our greens. We made this vegetarian broth in honor of Julia. Also, taking Julia's idea of the braised greens with the walnuts, mm -hmm. we did not add the walnuts to the greens in the soup, but we made a collard green pesto. So we took some, about a cup of the collard greens, about a quarter cup of um, the walnuts that you did such a nice job of. <laughs> Browning. Yeah, they were delicious. <laughs> it really pulled out all that extra flavor. Thank you, thank you. You did a good job. And a couple cloves of garlic and about a quarter cup of parsley, fresh Italian parsley. Threw it in the food processor and just put olive oil in until it sort of clumped together. Mm -hmm. We're gonna put it on top, it'll be a nice dollop. And then the surprise was the chevre, the goat oh. cheese that I made. This is the easiest thing in the world. You will impress all of your friends. If you can get goat milk, raw, fresh goat milk is best, but any kind of goat milk will do. Um, you can take it and just set it out on your counter. You don't have to cook it first. You do nothing to it. So what I did is I had gone to People's Food Co-op. I bought um, half a gallon of raw, local sourced goat milk and set it on the counter. And a few days later, it had separated. And so then you have like your curds and whey, if you will. And then I just covered a bowl. You could cover it with cheesecloth. I just covered it with a napkin, uh, not a paper napkin, but a cloth napkin. Um, and then sort of made a well in the middle of it uh, over a really deep bowl and then poured everything through it and then just let it sit. And the whey will drip out into the pan in the bottom and you'll have this beautiful chev on top and you could add herbs to it if you want or salt, mm. um, but we have it and we're gonna add that to the top of our soup. Yes. Well done. Here we go, we got a bowl of soup and let's put some of this pesto on top. Let's get a little lump of it right there and then a dollop of this goat, fresh goat Homemade. cheese. Mm. I'm gonna lick my fingers and take a picture right now. There's some, if you do go online and look at our photos, uh, this bowl that it's in is actually a handmade piece of pottery by Craig Martell, who's an excellent local potter. Um, he makes just beautiful stuff and uh, I collect his stuff. I have a little, about four, four bowls, four plates. Okay, Brian, what do you think? Right, you go first. Do you like how it looks? I can't wait. A little taste and try and get some of the pesto and some of the cheese. I'm feeling in there. lucky, actually. I'm feeling lucky, actually, looking at this. Yes, this is our New Year's soup. I yep. completely forgot until you mentioned it. <laughs> We're so lucky. We had wonderful conversation, and we have this whole new year to look forward to together and with soup. Hey, chamomile. We're eating soup over here. You can have some later. Okay. Mmm. Oh my god. I know. Mm. Oh my God. What do you think? I am really tasting the clementine. It's subtle, but you let them soak overnight in the beans and you really taste that citrusy. I'm just gonna lift this to my mouth and the whole bowl and just shovel it in. And the collard greens are perfectly cooked. Yeah, I like them oh. just braised like that. Oh my God, heaven. Oh, we added a can of diced fire roasted tomatoes. Right. And it um, probably adds a little bit of flavor like in a subtle mm, way. Mm -mm. I'm proud of us. This is one of my favorite soups now. I think I'm gonna have to go home and make it again and again and again. I, I really thought this soup was gonna turn out well, but 
it's really good. <laughs> it surprised me. It's so delicious. I, I wanted to add that when David, my partner, and I cook, and if he's rushed or hurried or in a bad mood, it really comes out in the food. And I want to say that this is a bowl of love. Because <laughs> I, had, I had an amazing time just getting to know you more today. And it's clearly been infused into the soup as well. So uh, thank you. It's love-infused soup. And I it's feel totally, I feel exactly the same way. It's I can't think of a better way to start the new year than striking up an amazing friendship with somebody. Um, so I'm going to start crying. Yeah. Oh, anyway, um, prosperity, good luck, and may all of you get all of this every day. Peace. Love and soup. If you'd like to recreate this magical soup at home in your own kitchen, the recipe can be found on our podcast website. It was very easy to prepare. It was fun to prepare. It costs a little less than $20. Over a gallon of soup for less than $20. And the nutritional benefits of black-eyed peas are many. Predominantly, they're high in calcium, folate, protein, good fiber, and vitamin A. All of this for less than 200 calories for a cup of beans or a cup of bean soup. Thank you guys so much for listening to our first podcast of Peace, Love, and Soup. Tune in next month when we will be doing a soup for February. It's my birthday month. Happy birthday. It's actually the big five zero. Yahoo! Now, Brian, will you read to us that sweet quote? Are you talking about the quote that I got from my teacup this morning? Yes. Well, here goes. Let us be kind and compassionate to remove the sadness of the world. And then I'm going to add with soup. soup. <laughs> just like with any fortune cookie, you could just read your fortune. And those of us with juvenile humor, we would then put <laughs> under the sheets or something like that. At the end of it, you will be successful when you wake up tomorrow morning with soup. <laughs> You're listening to Peace, Love, and Soup with Tave Fashe Drake and Brian Delaney. Welcome to Peace, Love, and Soup. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Can you do me a favor? Can you go to your fridge? And name four things in your fridge that you see that you would put into a soup. Henry? Hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, you do that and then tell us. Good question. We're going to ask all the kids mm. this. Eggs, cheese, pickles, and cupcakes. <laughs> My name is Ivy. I am eight years old. My birthday soup would have in it carrots, broth, spinach, and potatoes from my kitchen, and it would be called My Yummy Soup. You're, You're listening, listening to Peace, Peace Love, and, and soup. soup. Each month, we'll bring you a different soup. A guest interview. Some information about the soup itself, maybe nutritional value. Music pertaining to that month. And maybe some history and some other sort of artistic or cultural stuff. You're hungry for soup. And my stomach growling. Well, <laughs> did yeah. you get that? No. I, maybe. <laughs> can't wait to dive right in. So February, big birthday month. It is. I turn 50 on the 16th of February. Yes. Yeah, there's the a lot a lot going on in February. I don't know if you're aware of this, but February 4th was homemade soup day. Not just any soup day, National Homemade Soup Day. Or it's called Peace, Love, and Soup Day now in my <laughs> brain. <laughs> We're going to take it over. And then today is World Radio Day, too. We just found this out yeah. right now, yes, like a minute ago. Totally. <laughs> Tell us about it, Brian. World Radio Day, February 13th, a day where broadcasters, producers, and radio lovers from all over the world celebrate radio as a medium. The day is also used each year to focus the industry on ways of improving skills and exploring relevant subjects. What? That sounds exactly like what we're doing here. Well, hello. Peace, love, radio and Radio is you. Yeah. That's what it says. What? <laughs> That's what it says. It's yeah. like reading my mind. I was going to say radio is you, Brian Delaney. Radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Well, that's that, great. I love it. That's us. Yeah, that's it. February is our month. So you brought up a children's story called The Birthday Soup. Well, there's this special little book in our okay. family called Little Bear, and they're books by Elsa Holmland Minerick. She okay. is a children's author, and she writes a number of stories about a character called Little Bear. And Maurice Sendak, who does Where the Wild Things Are, he okay. does all of the illustrations for these books. 
in one of them, Little Bear has a birthday, and that story is called Birthday Soup. And Little Bear thinks his mother has forgotten about his birthday, and she's not there. He tries to figure out, well, what can I serve my friends? Because they're all coming over. And he makes birthday soup out of just whatever he has in his house. He said, well, I can't cook a birthday cake, but I can cook soup. All my friends like soup. I, I love it because I am so often Little Bear. I look in the fridge, and I was like, hmm, especially if my partner's not home because he's the chef at the house. I... We'll just throw together some sort of You are of a lucky soup. man, I must say. I do. A chef <laughs> in the house, yeah. I know. Are you the chef in your home? Uh, kind of. Yeah, I'm kind okay. of like a, what do you call it, a, a hack artist, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do. I dabble in a lot of different things, and it's hit or miss. Uh, but my husband's actually a great cook. He just doesn't cook all that much. We tease him that he eats bachelor food a lot, you know. <laughs> just He'll come in and, like, you know, drink out of the sink or... Uh, Throw like cheese on a tortilla and stick it in the microwave. That kind. Of thing. <laughs> Tell me that chicken story about your husband. <laughs> so really we'll have to have Jai share his chicken noodle soup story about his grandmother's. But I said, oh well, in our family, when my husband brings home a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store, Dow's famous chicken. <laughs> it's good too. Is it? Yeah, he makes a good chicken. <laughs> he picks up a good chicken from the grocery store. Hey, but you know. So long as it's nutritious and you can have conversation around it and people are fed, why not? Right. So do you want to talk more about the book? There's a cartoon that came along around the time my kids were younger. And what I love is in the cartoon, Little Bear actually takes the gifts. He doesn't say anything, but as an aside, he's like, hmm, and looks at the flowers and throws them in the soup pot. (laughs) And then the honey comes in and he looks at, hmm, throws that in the soup pot too. So it's like, what do you have? And just throw it all in the soup. Yeah. Sort of arty soup. I love it. Right? Birthday soup is maybe like art soup. I didn't know about the story, but I prepare birthday soup all the time. And I'm sure many listeners out there prepare it all the time as well. Tell us about that hack you did with the black beans. Yeah. Oh, like a birthday soup hack? Yeah. yeah. Hack would be maybe taking something that's sort of pre-made and tricking it up so that it's maybe a little extra tasty and maybe a little extra nutritious as well. It was a box of black bean soup, but oddly enough, there were no whole black beans in it, which is a little frustrating. Curious. So I opened a can of black beans and put it in there. And then I made some rice. Mm-hmm. And then I just poured the, the black bean concoction on top. I had an overripe avocado mm-hmm. that I cut away the black parts, mashed it in with a little tomato and made a quick little guacamole. Yum. You know, at the bottom of the bag of your chips. Yeah. And there's like half pieces or if anything, it's mostly like a dust. Yeah. So then I just threw that on top too. <gasps> It sounds so yum. A little dollop of uh, guacamole. Anyway, so that's our theme of this month, people. And every day is somebody's birthday. Yeah, so off we go. This is Jaden News, take two. Money talks, about that life. Age 12, yeah, that's right. Doing my thing, all the girls get hype. Fall so hard, just staying up night. Raise six, on to the next. Honest pass, cause I gotta be the best. All this cash, don't worry about the check. All I need is full respect. Full respect. I'm Jai Hurdle. Jai Hurdle. Hey, so Jai, you were telling me this story the other day when I asked you about reading the little bear script with me. Mama's special soup. My grandmother used to make soup. Well, she like made instant soup. Uh-huh. The one that came in the packet when we were kids. Like the real thin noodles, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, we thought it was like really special soup. So we, whenever we were sick, we wanted uh, Mama's special soup. We didn't know where it came from. It just was there. I don't know. We, we didn't see, like, a pot of soup <laughs> when we were kids. We were, like, four or five. So that's just one thing I remember from childhood. Love it. Yeah, we, we loved it. Did you ever see the packet? Like, when I was older, yeah. Oh, Finally, like, we figured it out. I guess we just like, hey, Mama, what's up with that soup that she used to make? And she said, go make some. Finally, like, everything was... You know, we were disillusioned from there. It was the man behind the curtain. And so I was talking to Brian about the show this month and hacks on soup to make it more exciting or more nutritious or something like that. I saw something about that. So you can add, like, egg and, like, everything to, like, instant soup, the mm-hmm. the cup noodles, mm-hmm. and make, like, ramen. And, like, they you can make pho. Yeah. All types of crazy things you can do with instant soup. So in my family, we always call the rotisserie chicken Dow's famous chicken. Dow's favorite chicken. You can um, do anything with those. You can have like chicken soup. You can make a uh, chicken salad. True that. <laughs> you could take the chicken from the rotisserie and put it into mama's special you soup. You could do that. That would be dope. See, that brings everything together. Yep. 
some chicken, maybe a little cut up baby carrots, some celery. Yeah. Mm. It, it, I, it seems like grandparents have like special powers, like real powers. The one from Mama's special soup. Mm-hmm. The one that that's attributed to. Is she still alive? Is she with she us? She is. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she's in Queens right now. Well, we should send her a copy of the um, birthday soup theater. Yeah, she would love that. Yeah. Oh, cause, cause tell. Yeah, cause uh, yeah, I used to watch Little Bear all the time on uh, Nick Jr. She used to call me Little Bear. That was like a thing. I, I watched the show all the time when I was a kid. She used to call me Little Bear. Now's the time for Peace, Love, and Soup Theater. Oh, goody. Mother Bear, Mother Bear, where are you? Calls Little Bear. Oh, dear. Mother Bear's not here, and today is my birthday. I think my friends will come, but I do not see a birthday cake. My goodness. No birthday cake. What can I do? The pot is by the fire. The water in the pot is hot. If I put something in the water, I can make birthday soup. All my friends like soup. Let me see what we have. We have carrots and potatoes, peas and tomatoes. I can make soup with carrots, potatoes, peas, and tomatoes. So Little Bear begins to make soup in the big black pot. First, Hen comes in. Happy birthday, Little Bear. She says. Thank you, Hen. Says Little Bear. Hen says. My, something smells good in here. Is it in the big black pot? Yes, says Little Bear. I'm making birthday soup. Will you stay and have some? Oh, yes. Thank you, says Hen, and she sits down to wait. Next, Duck comes in. My, something smells good. Is it in the big black pot? Says Duck. (laughs) Thank you, Duck, says Little Bear. Yes, I'm making birthday soup. Will you stay and have some with us? Mmm, thank you. Yes, thank you. Says Duck, and she sits down to wait. Next, Cat comes in. Happy birthday, Little Bear. He says. Thank you, Cat. Says Little Bear. I hope you like birthday soup. I am making birthday soup. Cat says. Can you really cook? If you can really make it, I'll eat it. Good, says Little Bear. The birthday soup is hot, so we must eat it now. We cannot wait for Mother Bear. I do not know where she is. Now, here is some soup for you, Head, says Little Bear. And here is some soup for you, Duck. And here is some soup for you, Cat. And here is some soup for me. Now we can all have birthday soup. Cat sees Mother Bear in the door and says, Wait, Little Bear. Don't eat yet. Shut your eyes and... Say one, two, three. Little Bear shuts his eyes and says, One, two, three. Mother Bear comes in with a big cake. Now look, says Cat. Oh, Mother Bear, says Little Bear. What a big, beautiful birthday cake. Birthday soup is good to eat, but not as good as birthday cake. I'm so happy you did not forget. Yes. Happy birthday, Little Bear, says Mother Bear. The birthday cake has a surprise for you. I never did forget your birthday, and I never will. Mm. My name is Cameron. I am nine years old. My soup ingredients are Reese's Pieces, Peanut Cups, Minis, um, chocolate chips, cut some carrots, pieces and cut up popcorn and my soup will be called sugar cake good and butter so Tave for you because I do play this recording for any one of my friends that turns 50 I love that you have something you just carry around for this Sally O'Malley from SNL. It was Molly Shannon. I love that she sounds like she's 70 years old. Like, really? Is is 50 really that old? No, it's not. No, it's not no, in the day and, and age. Like she's senile. She has to say kick twice. Out of, you only have three things to say. We just should be a third one that's not a repeat of the first one. <laughs> so. So 50, it sounds huge. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I don't, I honestly don't feel any different mm-hmm. at 50 than I did at 25. Mm-hmm. And I actually have to remind myself that I'm getting older. Right. Um, and I guess I should feel like 50 is a big deal, but it doesn't feel like a big <laughs> deal. <laughs> so sometimes we make those milestones bigger than they actually are. I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember 30 is a big deal. I don't make 40 is a big deal. And and it's it's only as big as you want to make it in your head. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm much more comfortable in m- myself in my skin at 49 mm-hmm. than I was at 25. I don't I, I didn't know who I was at 25 really. Hmm. Well, that's not true. But <laughs> it's not, exactly. So so it definitely changes as you you get older. Um, well, yeah. isn't it sort of like so you get older and you think, oh, I I'm so confident in who I am, mm-hmm. but then you think back and you go, well, mm-hmm. I really feel the same as I did then. So in some weird ways, I think there's that youthfulness feeling, mm-hmm. and then there's just a little extra wisdom yeah. stuck on top of it, just a little <laughs> the bit. dollop of wisdom. Not to be morbid, but no, I no, think no. there's a certain amount of, you know, how much time do you have left? And, you know, really wanting to live each day fully. Mm-hmm. And I've always been one of those people that was just like full tilt always, you know? And so, yeah. yeah. And people are like, well... You know, you got to live all your days to the fullest. Now you're 50, and I think, well, that's how I've always yeah. done it. So nothing's going to be changing. Right. Maybe I'll slow down. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. It's well, it's interesting, Tavi, because when I know when I first asked you, what does my birthday mean to me? You know, I I don't really treat it as a big deal for mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. It's well, so birthday, right? Mm-hmm. It's your birthday, mm-hmm. but it's if you're a parent, mm-hmm. it's also the day you gave birth to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So with my birthday, because I share the month with my oldest daughter, and my husband, oddly enough, shares his birthday month with our youngest daughter. You know, if if they have a happy birthday, then it's a happy day. So really, for both of us, uh, birthdays are more about the kids' birthdays than ours, I guess. I mean, I don't mean that in a martyr way. I just mean it more like we're so lucky to have them. Uh, That's beautiful. So I thought, well, February, it's birthday. I'm doing a soup podcast with Brian Delaney. Um, my daughter's away from home. What can I send her that would be really special? Again, not thinking about yourself, thinking more about your daughter. Yeah. And so I'm lucky at her school, they have a parents club and they'll deliver on her birthday a cake. Just like Mama Bear. Just like Mama Bear. Yes. So this is the first year she's away from home mm-hmm. for her birthday. Yeah, How that's was that true. experience for you? I mean. Oh, this mm-hmm. is a great story. Okay. So I actually sent her a copy of Little Bear. I actually found an old hardback copy of it at Powell's, which is our local bookstore. It's the largest independent bookstore in the world, I think. Awesome. Yeah, it's a great bookstore and sent it off to her. The idea was she'd get that and then at a different time she'd get the cake. cake. Yeah. I love that idea. So it really comes full circle to us and soup. Now, have you spoken with her since her birthday's passed? Like, did she get the cake? What happened? Tell me more of the story. Like, <laughs> Well, let's call her and ask her. We can fit it in before her next class. Oh, perfect. Hi, this is Brian. Hey, Sonny. Happy nice belated you. birthday to you. Oh, thanks. Well, I had asked your mom. She was retelling the story of how she bought you the book and sent it to you at school. I'd love to hear your side of the story, if that's cool. Sure, totally. Picked it up today. I grabbed it right as I was coming out of chem lecture, and it just made me smile so much. I, I opened it up, and I was like, I don't know what I'm expecting, but it ended up being this little bear book. It just like brought back all these memories of when I was really small. It was it was really sweet, and it made me really happy. Um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the delivery of the cake. In my head, it played out like this. There's the Little Bear book, which is all about birthday soup, and then the mom's not there, and then here comes the cake in at the last minute. I wanted this to be a surprise. Actually, how it went down was I was sleeping, and it was like noon. I got woken up by like a really loud knocking on my door, and there were these two ladies. They're like, hey, are you Asana? Happy birthday. Here's a cake. And I was like, wow, thanks. And I had the card for the cake say, I didn't forget your birthday, and I never will. It was wonderful. Thanks, Mom. Oh, you're welcome. I definitely had a bunch of memories of Little Bear. I always really liked the one where he goes to the moon in the like the spaghetti strainer and the cardboard box. <laughs> that was, like I think, my favorite one. Birthday soup. That was a good one. I didn't really relate to it very much as a kid because I always had people to like remind me that it was my birthday and be like, oh, happy birthday, Asana. Like, we love you. But I don't know. This year it kind of hit home a little more, though, just because 
I wasn't actually sure if anyone was going to remember my birthday. It was actually kind of a sad birthday. Oh. Everyone in the dorm got to go to Santa Cruz. They were all gone all wow. day. And all the hallways were dark because the lights turn off when no one's moving. Oh, I wow. just spent my whole birthday, like, wandering around. I tried to, like, sit in the sun and, like, study, and I couldn't. Aww. I don't know. It just, it just was kind of a bummer. Um, but wait, you had something that you needed to do. Yeah, um, I have this opportunity to go to the screening of these short films that I was acting in. I wanted all my dorm friends to be there to see it, but it was so fun. <laughs> and after the film, Camp Youth was playing, they were like rocking out, and then they interrupted their set to like sing me happy birthday. Aww. And they like hoisted me on their shoulders, and we all like danced around, and it was so it was so nice. This well, sounds uh, like a fantastic that birthday. Yeah. <laughs> that was definitely the highlight. Like the day was kind of terrible. Mm. Now I'm like okay with it, but mm -hmm. it was definitely not ideal. But now that you're an adult too, I guess the thing is, I mean, I don't know. I loved hearing the story about people raising you up on their shoulders, and yeah. gosh, yeah, it doesn't have that, that was great. Yeah, it doesn't have to be an all-day event. I mean, if you have a, a wonderful little bit that happens on your birthday, then it's a happy birthday. I guess so. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like life, right? I mean, we it's like not every day is just the best day of your life, but if you you know if you've got some good ones, it's a good life. Yeah. Well, Brian so, brought up the fact that it was yeah. the first birthday you'd ever spent away from home, like away from family. Yeah, it, it was. That stuff can be tough. Go my ahead. first year away at school, I remember I had an answering machine back in the day, and mm -hmm. like my aunts and my grandmother and my father, and they would call, and I wouldn't pick up the phone because I wanted them to record their birthday song. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Brian. But, you know, every now and then. And it's really wonderful to have people that you love singing that song to you. Yeah. You know? We heard Huggy called and sang you happy birthday, actually. Yes. And yes. Uh, left yeah, it on your she machine. did. I actually still have the recording. I usually delete all my messages. Save it. I was like, wow, like, just like you said, that's meaningful. I'm, I'm keeping that. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Have a birthday, my sweet granddaughter. Hey, have a nice birthday, sweetie. I'll tell you that again. Mafi, will you tell us what your favorite soup is? Too big of a choice. I love soup. I guess my favorite memory of soup making would be just like you, and when you would have those giant cans of lentil soup, and then you just like add, like on their own they would taste terrible, but then you just added all sorts of crazy stuff to it and turned into these intense gourmet meals that were like five star canned soup. That'd be a great yeah. soup hack. Yeah, that's what we're talking yeah. about. Perfect. Yeah, that was. I think that's my favorite. You're, You're listening, listening to, to Peace, Peace, Love, and Soup. Hi, my name is Ben. I'm t I'm nine and three quarters years old. And if I had um, four ingredients to put in a soup, here's what they'd be. Seaweed, miso paste, scallions, and some tofu. And boom, you got a basic miso soup. My name is Pail. I want to put in my soup... Um, udon and tofu and green tea noodles... Um, and when we were researching soups for this month and I came across the Korean birthday soup, I realized, oh my gosh, we could talk to my friend who lives in South Korea to educate all of us on this fantastic birthday soup, Miyakuk. Hello, peace, love, and soup listeners out there. My name's Martin, and I'm an American who's been living in Seoul, Korea for many years now. I'm married to a Korean woman named Ji. I'm also a friend of Tabe's from the Peace Corps. Happy birthday, Tabe. I'm pleased to share this story of the Korean birthday soup with your listeners. The soup you'll be making on today's program is called Mia Kuk, and it's also known as the Korean birthday soup. Mia Kuk is a traditional soup enjoyed by all Koreans. And it's very special here because it is usually served to new mothers for about a month after they give birth to a child. Usually the mother-in-law comes over to the house and takes care of the new mother for about a month. And every day she's in the kitchen preparing Mia cook. We have two boys, 
and my mother-in-law came over and spent time with us taking care of my wife as she recuperated from giving birth preparing me a cook every day it's almost a law here well let's say it's almost a mother-in-law's law that their daughters are required to eat Mia Cook and there's no getting out of it whether you like it or not as a daughter. Many women in Korea go to what is called um, Hosu Joriwan and they watch the mothers very carefully. It's an interesting part of the birthing process here that there is such a thing as a recovery clinic for new mothers and that Mia Cook is on the menu of all of them here. The main ingredient of Mia Cook is seaweed. It is very rich in minerals. It's very high in iron and iodine. Iodine can help restore uh, the proper functioning of the thyroid and regulate the hormonal levels. It also has a lot of potassium, omega acids, fiber, vitamins B1 and B3. It cleans your blood. It also regulates the metabolism and it helps with constipation. There's an additional benefit for mothers because it increases the flow of breast milk. And there are many, many soups in Korea, but Mia Cook is one of my favorites. Our family has Mia Cook maybe once a month, once every two months. I would personally, as an American, would like to eat it more often. You can make the broth with seafood, or you can make the broth with beef. You can eat it just as the soup alone, but a lot of people here like to empty a bowl of rice into the soup. So they mix their rice with Mia Cook and eat it that way. My wife makes uh, Mia Cook for all the birthdays in our house here. And she also makes it for herself on her birthday. It's something we always look forward to when we wake up in the morning on our birthdays because usually we have it in the morning, but sometimes we'll have it maybe in the evenings as a meal. It makes birthdays in Korea here kind of special because you know you're always going to wake up and have a bowl of Mia cooked. So today we are here to make Korean birthday soup, otherwise called uh, myokguk. Well, welcome. Hey, everybody. So I went to the Asian market and I was able to get some sesame oil and then also some soup soy sauce, so which is different than regular soy sauce. It's a little bit lighter. And then I also bought some yuzu to try because we're making this with mussels. I thought it would be nice. So I got the myok and then we soaked it for about 15 or 20 minutes. Then we rinsed it thoroughly, squished out the water, and then we cut it into finger-sized pieces. We then measured out our sesame oil, our yuzu, soup soy sauce, about a tablespoon or two of each of the sauces to taste. And we chopped up some, oh, I don't know, about a golf ball size of ginger, just a couple cloves of garlic. Throw the, um, the sesame oil in the cast iron skillet and getting it hot, and then I'm gonna add the ginger and the garlic ground up. Then we can throw the milk in. Here it goes. This is like emerald green. It's beautiful. It looks like jade. It's so nice. It's so nice to be cooking with you. I like being a sous chef. <laughs> oh, Hiroki's here recording. In the Hi, Hiroki. Okay. Hiroki's come in. He's doing some work at Kebu, and he was kind enough to come in and record us today with video also to show off on our blog. And then we're gonna throw it into this pot of boiling water that I've also readied. It's 12 cups of boiling water. It's simmered for 15 minutes with the miyok in it and we're getting ready to throw our mussels in. So here we go. 20 mussels and a big handful of inoki, which are a little Korean mushroom. These are gonna go um, for, for about five to 15 minutes. I'm gonna put a timer on. Yeah, we're gonna let this go for five minutes. Then afterwards we'll taste it and add additional stuff if we want to. Oh, that looks good. Well, in full disclosure, audience, um, I'm not a big seaweed lover. Like, I love my sushi. I love a certain seaweed salad. But I did take a little taste of this, and I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the soup. Have to have to be on it. Oh, there! look at that. They already opened. The mussels have already opened. It's only been about a minute. They look delicious. Mmm. Okay, so we cooked everything with the mussels in it for the full five minutes, tasted it, and thought, man, it needs to cook a little bit longer. And it tastes good, but it feels like it needs a little something else. Hiroki, come over here and you taste it and smell it and see what you think. How can I say? I mean, taste. Oh. I think a large part of cooking is intuitive. So if you're feeling like your soup guides are saying it needs a little bit more, 
we're going with a little bit more people. We added salt, a couple teaspoons of salt, put much more of the soup soy in, maybe another half a cup, and more of the yuzu, which is kind of my new favorite thing. We added scallions right in and some lemon zest, and then let that cook for maybe another five minutes, and then there'll be a surprise at the end of sprinkles and dollops. Wow, it's good. <laughs> I am sort of surprised that it's... I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I thought it was going to be fine, but now once we tricked it up, it's so tasty. All right, Hiroki, we got it all finished now, and we want you to taste it and tell us what you think. Uh, wholeness of being, much better than... Uh, <laughs> so. You like that we added all the extra yes. stuff. Well, I think it's good that you also were encouraging of us to go ahead and add that extra soup soy. I mean, good smell. Mm -hmm. Seaweed and flavor <laughs> from mussel and uh, seaweed. Mm -hmm. So it's good seafood soup. Mm, mushroom makes good for looks, I think. Mm, and may I have one more bowl? Of course. <laughs> Tabe, what do you think? You haven't tried it yet. Mm-hmm. Yep. You get a bite of the mussel. Yep. The crunch from the scallion is really nice. And I like having the mushrooms that were in there before to add that flavor, but then the fresh ones thrown on top as a garnish add another nice little texture to it. The crunchy and then the really soft from the seaweed. Yeah, I like the seaweed. You know, I just realized too, is the the seaweed sort of melts in your mouth. It's got, it still has a little bite to it, but it is totally buttery. Mm -hmm. Buttery, that's the word. I'm going to go in for the mussel. Delicious. I know. And I mean, you can make this soup with clams, with beef, with chicken, with tofu. And one of the things I read actually said that the very traditional one was made with uh, shellfish. And so that I wanted to honor that. I'm going to have some more. Very pretty, very orange and yellowy. Good color. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful, it's actually. A beautiful, it's very beautiful to look at. It looks like a birthday party. Oh, I keep forgetting. Yes, this is my birthday suit. Thanks oh for reminding me it was for my birthday. I, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. I like how this month we looked at different recipes, used that as a base, and then expanded from there based on flavor and I, and I think that's really something true to any sort of traditional cooking you know tasting it and seeing what you think or maybe we want to add something different which is totally allowable yeah. <laughs> that's especially with soup more than mm -hmm. anything sure. especially with soup we are going to put our full recipe of what we had done up on the internet and you can see that there along with photos that Brian and I took today great photos too by the way if you think you can't cook you can still cook soup In the neighboring country of China, misua, or longevity noodles, are traditionally eaten as a birthday food. This single, long, and unbroken strand of thin wheat noodle, lengthy enough to fill up a bowl, symbolizes a long life to come. Special care is taken while eating and cooking to make sure the long noodles remain unbroken until they are safely inside the birthday celebrant's mouth. Misua is served either fried, or more importantly for our podcast, cooked into a soup. Longevity noodles are usually served with ingredients such as eggs, oysters, pig intestines, shiitake mushrooms, beef, shallots, roasted nuts, or fried fish. As for the soup broth, anything goes really, including instant ones. My name is Mila. I am nine years old and my soup would be called Happy Dinner Soup. The ingredients are warmed up milk, broccoli, corn, salted butter, cheddar cheese. What else do we have at home? <gasps> Pasta, to me like noodles, and to make it taste a little better, pepper and garlic. What are we going to do <laughs> next month? I have to tell you, I own a um, shamrock suit. <laughs> <gasps> you do not. I do. 
it's not quite three piece, but it is a two piece with a tie. I've got to see this. It's so good. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. So are the legs like the part that you hold, and then like each arm and then the head are like, or is it a four leaf clover? Oh no, sorry, it's an appa suit. The blow up suit? No, no, no. (laughs) This sounds so much better than what I actually own. (laughs) No, it's just a suit, but the fabric is all green with green shimmers. Oh, okay. (laughs) Next year, I'm going to be making you a suit (laughs) shaped like a four leaf clover. I'm going to get on that. Okay, so, so tune in next month when we are going to talk about... Some sort of Irish or St. Patrick's Day, and there's the, our alert. Oh, wow. Some sort of magical soup for March. Oh, a magically delicious soup. Yes. Yeah, that's our, that pot of gold at the end of the little leprechaun rainbow kind of ties <laughs> back into our January theme of prosperity and whatnot. It does. We'd like to leave you with this quote for the month. In all things of nature, there is something of the marvelous. With soup. <laughs> You've been listening to Peace, Love, and Soup with Brian Delaney and Tave Fashe Drake. For more information about today's show, along with artist links, photos, recipes, and more, visit us on our website, peaceloveandsoup.com. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Peace, Love, and Soup. Parmi ces gens qui me bousculent, étourdi désemparé, je reste là. Quand soudain je me retourne, il se recule, et la foule vient me jeter entre ses bras. Emporté par la foule qui nous traîne, nous entraîne, écrasés l'un contre l'autre, nous ne formons qu'un seul corps. Et le flot sans effort nous pousse enchaîner l'un et l'autre. Et nous laisse tous deux épanouis, enivrés et heureux Entraînés par la foule qui s'élance et qui danse Une folle farandole, nos deux mains restent soudées You're listening to KBOO Portland at 90.7 FM and streaming on the web, kboo.fm. I'm Don Jacobson, and moving on, we'll be here in just a few minutes right after the news.